In 2020, a crackpot critical trio was sent into isolation by a killer virus for the safety of those around them. These men promptly went stir-crazy without a means to rant and rave with friends and co-workers. Today, unwanted by the government, they survive as homeworking podcasters. If you want to hear about popular culture, if you can't scratch the itch, and you can download a podcast, maybe you can listen to The Critic Guys. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Critic Guys podcast. My name is Chris Davis. I am joined once again by Mr. Lawrence Tuck and Mr. Keith Edwards, and we are finishing off our Defending the Indefensible podcast. On this podcast, you're going to hear Keith's rather controversial views on Episode 1, The Phantom Menace, and The Rise of Skywalker. I should apologise, we have had a few issues with Keith's audio. He's defending Star Wars, and it sounds like he's brought a droid with him to defend it. Which is commitment. Anyway, enjoy the show. Keith, I believe you have a strong opinion on something. I do. My my indefensible opinion is that Star Wars Episode One, The Phantom Menace, is not that bad. Wow. It is it is like Green Lantern, it's got an incredibly bad reputation and is generally on in all directions. But I think in particular with the creation of the the uh, episode seven, eight and nine, which we can get to later. Mm. And believe you me, gentlemen, we will get there later. Is It's the it's not a bad storyline. It's can not I jump ba- in here, Keith. Oh, God, here you, we go. You're saying it's not a bad movie. You're stopping somewhat from saying it's a good movie. It is enjoyable. I, I challenge anyone who doesn't watch it for the first time particularly in cinemas, to say they didn't enjoy it. Okay. Does it stand up to scrutiny? Is it particularly well made out or well written? No, I can't, def- I can't say that. But I will say it, w- it was a, an entertaining movie, and it did what it said on the tin. Anyway, going, going back a little step, you obviously had the 1977 to 1983 movies, and then George Lucas did nothing apart from Indiana Jones and Howard the Duck and, until he happened to wander onto watching the make Jurassic Park in 1993-1994 and then realised that with the, the revolutions in CGI technology, he could now bring, bring about um, the new sets of Star Wars films that he was apparently had already, well, he says he always intended to write nine movies. He's always intended to do that. And then he realized he couldn't put, put together the budget. So he picked a trilogy, which he happened to be the middle of the story, and did that as episodes four, five, and six. Now, do, do we believe him, Keith? Do we believe him on this? <laughs> or do we well, think he's, he's talking out of his ass? Well, in the um, special features of when uh, Star Wars was released on DVD, he talks about the fact that when Star Wars was being made, 
he sacrificed his pay and um, certain rights for the rights to uh, direct the other movies, to produce more. And he says in it, I assumed that episode four would be a flop, so I wanted to protect the rights to my other movies. Now, in my head, that makes no sense. Because he's trying to protect rights to a movie he's not going to make. I think we, sh- we it's important to remember that this is a man who doesn't understand how humans actually speak. So anything he said in interviews <laughs> should be like taken with a pinch of salt. Look. Dialogue has never been his strength. Yes, but movie rights are like sand. It gets everywhere. And, th- and this is what he was trying to say. But I, 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 I don't give it any credit at all. But he, he said it was nine movies. But then he decided after, uh, you know, he hadn't directed for a while. So he waited until 1997, 98 to come back and do episode one. And he, in the interim, of course, he did the special editions for the original three movies. Putting in new CGI scenes. And, of course, we could all argue whether or not any of it is any better. I think I think elements are, are, are improved. I quite like the fact that they make the city in the in the clouds more of a city. Yeah, I've never had a problem with the redone uh, original trilogy, particularly. In that case, I challenge you to, to watch that on the on Blu-ray DVD. I've not done that. Yes, uh, um, <laughs> I thought Family Guy's um, send-up of it was quite good. But anyway. He, he has argued, George Lucas has argued, that of course, and, and in fact it's on the special features DVD, that each, each trilogy of Star Wars should be like, um, like poetry or a song. It should rhyme. You should have the same sort of themes in each, each trilogy. And episode one... He only is, knows how to write one trilogy. I think, I, <laughs> I think you could argue the storylines for episodes one to six are all his. The dialogue, are, you know, is a combination of the of different screenwriters and the actors on the day, and it was a a testament to the fact that the director of Empire Strikes Back, along with the actors, particularly Harrison Ford, changed their line. The iconic yeah, "I love you, I know" was entirely made up on set. Yeah, that was not the line as written. Um, of course, so George, so can George Lucas direct? No. And watching him on the special features of Revenge of the Sith talk about um, acting to Ian McDermott is painful. Because <laughs> George Lucas couldn't act his way out of a paper bag. And he's talking to someone who knows his character, who knows his craft, and is a classically trained theatre actor. But having said, uh, you know, I could go on the complaints for ages about George Lucas, but be that as it may, episode one introduces us to a host of new characters. Oh, yes, it does, Keith. It does. And I'm not going to excuse Jar 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 Binks. Mm. I'm not going to, you know, the, there is a reason he was marginalized in episodes two and three. It was an experiment that didn't work. It was perhaps designed or conceptualized very much as a sort of golem-like character, <clears throat> but it didn't. It didn't happen, and no one's going to argue it did. 
Um, however, I, I happened to watch it with my younger siblings when it came out, and they were, they loved Jar Jar Binks. So from a marketing point of view... Are, you, are, your, are your younger siblings massive racists as well? I don't think they realised it was racist until they grew a bit older. <laughs> I, I will say that my dad certainly did, because he sat there halfway through and went, oh dear. <laughs> But, be that as it may, um, the actual, the film is incredibly um, well put together in terms of, it's, it, it's very well designed. The, the different planets, the diff, which are completely new to the Star Wars universe, um, before they didn't have the budget, they didn't have the kind of material that they, you know, to, to put what George Lucas envisioned on the screen. And maybe this is a crime of... Um, CGI, but whatever he thought of, he could put on the screen, and that's exactly what happened. So you had uh, sweeping vistas, you had big CGI shots. You could do a whole city. You could do the Gungungs underwater capital. It was it was it was huge, and unfortunately, that eventually culminated in the fight between the Gungans and the droids. That meant nothing. It was it was a rubbish fight. It was mainly played for humour where you could. It was essentially an, an extension of the Ewoks versus the Empire fight in Return of the Jedi, but on a massive scale with a lot more CGI. And in, well, you say a lot more CGI. It was only CGI, wasn't it? That's true. That's absolutely right. Yep. I, I, however, he 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 made the clever idea of intercutting it with the fights of the Jedi and Darth Maul, who, even though he was a stuntman, couldn't act, was amazing as, a, as an idea, as a both the highlight visually of one of them is, yeah. and the way it's portrayed on screen. Uh, Liam Neeson as Gwygon Jinn, very much in, in some ways as the Alec Guinness character from episode four, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You forget that Liam Neeson was in it. He must have appreciated the uh, Jar Jar Binks character. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh God. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, if that doesn't get us banned from YouTube, I don't know what will. Um, but yeah. Dirty over that. <laughs> yeah, moving quickly on. It, it, it's got Liam Neeson. It's got Hugh McGregor, who desperately is trying to do homage to Alec Guinness as Obi-Wan Kenobi, knowing full well what character means. It's got a strong female character with Natalie Portman's Queen Amidala. Again, none of this is particularly well written in terms of dialogue, but the story beats are there. A strong character who falls apart by the third film, but okay. I, um, I, do, you not not think, do, you, do you not think that there's, for, for a, 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 an action kid sci-fi epic... There's a little bit too much um, trade negotiations in it. <laughs> That's what kids love. Everyone loves, trade everyone loves a good trade negotiation. <laughs> and you want to talk about racist aliens? Here we go. <laughs> I'm not going there. I'm really not. Um, I Is think... there anywhere you are going? <laughs> I think, the, as I say, as I've said several times now, the the idea of it is quite interesting. So because that's a he's, script. Wait for it. Wait for it. Right. Wait, wait, wait. 
he's clearly something that didn't happen in seven, eight, and nine, which you're going to defend in just a second. They didn't have his overarching plan is clearly taking ideas from Nazi Germany, how a republic, a democracy is overturned. And it doesn't just happen like a light switch. It happens incrementally from threats the and corruption within. Rise. Yeah. Yeah, the emperor's right. Very well okay, done. Yes, the way he, yes, he's manipulating the whole thing from behind the scenes. And as a fan of Star Wars, you know that in episode one when you watch it. Because it is clearly Ian McDermott under the cloak. But if you just watched it for the first time, had no idea that that was the same actor who played Palpatine in episode six, you wouldn't know. As we were going to say, it, 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 he can improve any movie, any Star Wars movie. He can fix You'd think really so, wouldn't you? And, up until, that, and up until about November last year, I would have said that was true. Yeah, well, I was just thinking. I know you said uh, the the... Lucas originally wanted to make all nine films. That so that, would, that would have made the um, reveal of, of who Darth Vader is have a little less impact in uh, Empire Strikes Back, wouldn't you say? Well, because his his plan was that the the final three films would be focused on. I mean, he's changed his mind many times, but it it was always supposed to be Luke and Leia's children in the uh, final three films. It wasn't supposed to be, you know, Darth Vader was supposed to die. But then, of course, when he did episodes one to six, he now says, of course, he's changed his mind. He's changed his tune a bit and said that one to six, you know, it's just the Star Wars saga is essentially the story of Darth Vader. If Luke had had his way, they may have actually been Luke and Leia's children as well. But Yeah, well, quite. But uh, I also think that also, you know, beyond the theme of the politics of democracy being got rid of, you've also got the idea, and it's very... It's very similar to Greek tragedy. And in fact, we were talking last week about Columbo. We're knowing the, that, that something's going to happen. Why this person did it. We know Anakin Skywalker becomes Darth Vader. And we see how this boy, this young boy, is eventually going to become one of the most evil people in the galaxy. And we don't know why. We don't know how it starts. But there's always a sense of foreboding because we know that's where he's going to end up. It's inevitable. Very much like Thanos. Yeah, but the problem is that the we don't know how he's going to become Darth Vader, but it turns out how he's going to become Darth Vader is that he starts having a really unbelievable relationship with this this woman that looks like it's Are you been, an angel? Looks like it's been taken out of a really cheesy American soap opera. Oh god. It's been on tip of my tongue for ages that by the way. Are you an angel? Again, I'm not defending the script. What's interesting, Keith? What's interesting is that I've been watching a hell of a lot of the Clone Wars cartoon series. They are fantastic. And this is because the boy has become addicted to it. So I've I've been watching quite a lot of it. And in a way, you kind of think a lot of this needed to be in the films because it kind of explains to a certain degree of what, the, the, everything. Everything, yes. I mean, I, bought, like, I watched an episode today and I suddenly realised that part of Anakin becoming Darth Vader was that he had post-traumatic stress syndrome from the Clone Wars. 
And why why they didn't go into that in the in in the uh, in the last of the th- the three? I don't know because it seemed they concentrated a bit too much on on his ridiculous relationship with Padme. Although that's fleshed out a lot more in the cartoons as well. I mean, they, they, in a way, they almost tried to do too much in these three films. It is unfortunate because episode two, the Clone Wars begin. In beginning of episode three, it's almost pitched as the final battle. Yeah. Right at the beginning. It's the opening credits almost. It's it's kind of, yes. So the Clone Wars, which is incidentally is written and uh, show run by Dave Filoni, who then went to do The Mandalorian, uh. um, explains why, you know, that he, he understands Star Wars and wanted to put stuff in there. The novelization of the three Star Wars films, the three prequels, are amazing. Well, they took the themes and the story ideas that George Lucas created for, for them as the basis for his story and then wrote around them. And I think that's, you know, had they, for example, I have read a theory a few years ago, the idea that episode one, if that had been set at the beginning of essentially episode two, so Anakin is in training and he's a, he's a young you, know, you can build in his his backstory of his mother and whatever, and that he was he was rescued. But if you just did that, and then you had those three films, because Star Wars never before or since has jumped by ten years in between films. Mm. You, you know, you 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 end episode one with Jake Lloyd, and you begin with Hayden Christensen in the beginning of episode two. So it's completely different. It it, it jumps completely, and obviously there's this backstory there. If you just started episode one with Obi-Wan Kenobi as the mentor and Hayden Christensen's Anakin as, as a Padawan, if you just started there and then told three films, you'd have an extra film in the middle to do the Clone Wars bit. Mm. But obviously that was a decision he, you know, he wanted to do how, how, how a boy, I mean, maybe he got taken with the idea. Cause I, I don't know about you guys, but there was a lot of um, promotional material that went out, particularly of Jake Lloyd as Anakin running through or running by um, a building. And while he's doing that, there's behind it is a silhouette, and the silhouette is of course Darth Vader. Mm. So clearly, so indicating. Can, can I just jump in here? So, what are we saying that this film, which is not bad, would have been better if it didn't exist? <laughs> no, I said there was an argument. <laughs> yeah, but you made a very good argument, and we all agreed with your argument. Well done, Keith. Well, I'm so I'm so used to you all agreeing. <laughs> no, can I can I say it's a good it, it's a good you know it's a well written film or well produced film? No, written film. It is entertaining. <laughs> no, no, hang on. I I want an honest honest answer from you two now, rather than mocking me as you are prone to do. Why I turn <laughs> up to this abuse, I really don't know. The, but the fact is. Well, I'm on lockdown. I've got nothing better to do. Um, when you watched it for the first time, were you not entertained? Did I, I, you not I, enjoy it? I was. Well, I was quite young when I watched it, so you two must have been yeah. uh, a, a bit younger. And yeah, I was only eighteen at the time. Seventeen. No, it was younger than that. No, it came out in ninety-nine. Did it? Yeah. Well, yeah, seventeen. I think I was. Certainly no, no younger than sixteen. But that's it. That. Are, you, are we sure about our dates here? 
Yeah, I was born in 83, so it came out in 99, so I was 16. <laughs> I know when I was born. <laughs> All the questioning your age. Are you, Keith, are you sure you were born then? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, 1999, he is right. Yeah, it just it feels much. You don't need to say that with such surprise. I do research these things before <laughs> I sit down. But you clearly, you're trying to defend this movie, Keith. Your my opinion of your like your opinion of things is now like quite low. So, <laughs> uh, wow, I'm not sure about your facts. <laughs> one problem, you... one problem with it was that it was. Um, do you remember uh, it, it was lauded as a masterpiece? Do you remember? Yeah. Empire gave it five stars. Yeah, which I've bitterly <laughs> regretted and repented since. And but, but oddly, it came up, it came out in the same summer. I think I, I I'm right in saying this as uh, the Matrix. It did indeed. And obviously, the Matrix <laughs> all over it in quite a, quite a horrendous way. And it, it 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 didn't look good in comparison. So it. <laughs> You were 16, Keith, when it came out. I was no, thinking, no. I, the reason uh, I was again, I would again never... you, you two haven't answered my question. When you watched it for the first time, were you not entertained? I was I, I was entertained when I watched it for the first yeah, time. I was entertained, but it doesn't mean it was a good movie. It was one of those, as a, as a, a young man who was desperate for a new Star Wars movie, I enjoyed that I got some Star Wars. It is a Star Wars movie. But when you take in the cold light of day, looking back, I cannot say it's a good movie. It's not the worst Star Wars movie for me, but it's the second worst. <laughs> it's just it doesn't it doesn't float my boat. As, Why have you as got a Star such Wars a problem movie? with the Empire Strikes Back? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it 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 has. Um, I mean, I agree that I I love Darth Maul. I think he's am- yeah. he's amazing. Uh, he he's a triumph of the film. Yeah. I love I I like. The ideas that of uh, the slow progression of the story and how uh, they are trying to build things up. However, I think it the dialogue is is awful. I think I think it looks awful. I think all the CGI just looks awful. If it was a cartoon, you might be able to get away with it, but it wasn't. So it just looked appalling. I mean, there's, there's stupid stories you hear, like George Lucas wanted to change the angle in which Anakin held a, 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 a pad. So he went in and CGI'd the pad so it looked the other way. And that sums up the whole thing. He, 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 there's no no sense of of any soul to it. It's completely soulless, and it's too computerized. It's 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 hard to tell whether and whether Hayden Christensen is a bad actor, because I mean he had no idea what he was saying. He had no idea where he was when he was saying it. He had no idea what was going on. Do you mean Jake Lloyd? No, Hayden Christensen. So two and three. Sorry, yeah, I am. I, I'm sort of addressing all three at the same time. Yeah. In, in this in this tirade, um, but yeah, it, that goes to all the actors. Really, none of them knew what was happening. They they didn't have a director that was directing them. They didn't know where they were. They didn't know what they were saying. It was complete nonsense most of the time. 
and it's 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 all the sh- it's all a bit of a shame really my particular favorite story is episode two when padme and anakin arrive on geonosis the termite planet and they have this very big action scene running through the foundry during conveyor belts and everything else of course none of it's there Mm. and it wasn't in the script george george lucas just decided one day he was going to do it in that it needed more pace and more action at this point so when um natalie portman hayden christensen came back off lunch he said, right, okay, you've just arrived on this planet. You're going to do this whole thing now where you're running down a conveyor belt and doing all these things, all these action stuff. But, you know, just thrash about and all this kind of stuff, and we'll put stuff in later <laughs> that makes sense to it. Because there's no dialogue in those sequences at all. Because nothing was written. It was just run along this this blue conveyor belt in front of a blue screen, and we'll put everything in, in later. Absolute and mess. Doing that all on a full stomach as well. Indeed. <laughs> I, I will jump. I will jump in and say um, it. I haven't gone back and watched this film in a while. I'm going. It's been it's been a, a fair while now since I've seen it. So I I should put a little asterisk on anything I say about it. One thing that so particularly I'm really, I'm talking about the fact that I don't know how the effect hold up. But back in the day, I quite liked. I'm gonna I'm gonna correct myself before I say this. Here. I like the concept of and the delivery of the pod racing scenes. I don't like Anakin in the pod racing particularly. I think him being able to do it's a bit silly. But I quite enjoyed the pod racing, and it gave us a pretty cool N64 game. I think uh, pod, the pod racing scene is another of the highlights. I think it's really good. And I don't have a problem with Anakin doing it, because he's, he's, uh, he's a je- yeah, Jedi in I the making. See that. He's got the Jedi Yeah, powers. just a bit. It's just a bit weird that he could suddenly just do this thing that nobody could should be able to. I don't know. No, that, there was just, hang on, hang on. Yeah. No, he's a Jedi. It's not that no one can do it. It's it, he can do it because he'll be not a Jedi, is he? He's got. But he's, he's strong got, with the midi chlorines. He's, he's got strong with midi chlorines. Yeah, I knew oh, God, that was coming. I knew some. Uh, I, I knew well as soon as I read episode one, I knew full well I would not get out of here without someone going for the midi chlorines. But the midichlorians are very good at racing. I, I forgot about that. Sorry. They're they're excellent at racing. Be competitive. <laughs> yeah. uh, the midichlorians are utter nonsense and really almost spoil the whole thing. The it's whole the fact they don't franchise. go back to them later. Brilliant. It's the, the the newer trilogy doesn't make reference to them. It's just like yeah, we all know. Just yeah, yeah, we, we we've done it. It's out there. <laughs> just pretend it didn't happen. Nobody say the word. Mm. It's like, oh, he might be a Jedi. We could check his midichlorians. Nobody mentioned midichlorians. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way to know if he's a Jedi until he knows the powers. <laughs> Just gloss it all over. It never happens. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine Ray's midichlorian count? It must be like through the roof. <sighs> yeah, be interesting to know what it is. Mm. I'm sure there's. Would it though? No. Would it? Would it really be interesting? I'm sure there's a deleted scene. There's a deleted scene somewhere. <laughs> and if we could just add in a trade negotiation. There's <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> oh, somebody dying of a broken heart. Oh. oh. <laughs> so, 
But it's a good job the final trilogy they just did were good, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, they really sorted sorted things out nicely there. I say final, there'll be more when they yeah. we can all all agree they were three really good films. <laughs> all three. Absolute crackers. The three of them. <laughs> What's that meatloaf song? Two out of three ain't bad. You like them all, don't you, Keith? I wouldn't go that far. Pray, pray tell. Well, that was my next statement, but I don't know if we're doing that now. I've done my bit. I've done. Oh, go thing. on. You, you said we were getting there. You promised it to our audience. You've got to deliver now. Well, as bad as you may think episode one is, my submission is that episode nine, The Rise of Skywalker, is an absolute travesty on every level. If if it had such a category, I submit it as a as a human rights violation. <laughs> oh, but the wow. doesn't have that. So yeah, okay. Again, this is going back to the history. In 2012, good old George Lucas decided that he'd had enough of the Star Wars game, and decided to sell off the entire part of Lucasfilm of, of Star Wars to Disney for a cool $4.05 billion. I don't Keep know. it off the price. Yeah, indeed. Disney uh, also bought in the same, in the same uh, purchase. They, uh, they, they basically uh, kept him on as a consultant and also said that they would, they would, they would, they were buying the three treatments he had done on episodes seven, eight and nine which incidentally was their first announcement that almost as soon as they said, we've bought Disney, oh, sorry, we bought Lucasfilm, we're also buying the rights to episode seven, which we intend to make and it will be released the end of 2015. Uh, and they got into, and, and the idea was for them to do one film a piece every year for the next three or four years with the actual Skywalker episodes being every other year by filming in between. And basically their plan, and I imagine that's what a lot of people feared, was that they'd rule Christmas for the next, mm. you know, decade, really. Um, so, yes, you had Force Awakens in uh, 2015. Not necessarily a bad film. I think they did it in some ways exactly like episode one in terms of setting up a new story. A new story. I think we all agree that we quite like that one, right? Yes. Well, I think so. Lawrence? I have no issue with it. But they, they did it um, the way they should have made the first uh, prequels in that, you know, that what I like about J.J. Abrams, and I don't like everything about J.J. Abrams, but I do like the way he likes to do everything in camera. And uh, only using CGI at the last possible point so i like that about it that it, it felt very real very raw um and i think it, it suited the star wars universe a lot more than the prequels did and i should notice that i should note that he bought um one of J. James' big decisions as bringing back in lawrence kazdan who who screen wrote episodes five and six after George Lucas did the initial treatment, he wrote yeah. some of the script. So he he, like he was. Good idea. So you know, and plus, personally, I imagine he took the role because he wanted to kill off Harrison Ford, which he pitched back when they were doing Return of the Jedi. 
Yeah. And George, and George Lucas refused. And clearly Harrison Ford wants to kill off his character. So it was a match made in heaven. But I thought episode, it, it, it created a lot of, uh, the whole episode seven premise created a lot of interest, made you want to know more. You had a villain that you didn't really know much about. Whether they should have taken Ben Skywalker's, oh, Ben Solo, sorry, his, his uh, face mask off so early is debatable, but some people love it, some people don't. But I think it would have been really odd to have that scene with his father if he hadn't. Oh, yeah, yeah that needed to be massive. Um, the whole Luke Skywalker's lightsaber, they, um, the, the return of it, well, actually, it's Anakin's lightsaber that was uh, basically pickpocketed by Obi-Wan Kenobi in episode three. And given to Ray, and literally, of, of she Obi Wan is like an, uh, a pagan character now. <laughs> I mean, the character who gives it to Ray goes as far as to say, "Oh, yeah, it's an interesting story for another time." In typical Abrams fashion, that never gets answered. Yeah. But, but be that as it may. So anyway, you had Episode Seven, which is is what it is. It, it, I think it set the board quite nicely. Yes, it was interesting. It was great to see some of the characters again, and it ended on an amazing cliffhanger of in- of reintroducing Luke Skywalker to the to the Star Wars universe. I and thought- here is where the problem comes in, because yes. you went in there going, "Okay, you've done a very close film to the earlier trilogy," which again, you think, "Okay, yeah, goes not back to my idea." So mm. it, it goes back to George Lucas's idea that the the three trilogies they should rhyme. And if you think about yeah. episode one, episode four, and episode seven, they do have an older mentor figure. Yeah. Guagong Jin, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Han Solo, who mentor the younger yeah. character who doesn't really know anything. They all die at the end of that particular film. You have a new villain or a villain figure. Mm-hmm. And you have an enemy force. So there's there's lots of things in there. You have a strong... In in but in the previous two trilogies, you had a strong female character who didn't have the force. In this one, they've amalgamated it as a strong female character who does have the force. No problem with that at all. To be fair, Keith, I mean George Lucas only in the beginning and and in most of these these films just follow the classic narrative. Yes, absolutely. Which is what uh, Tolkien used. And I'm glad you said that, Lawrence. We'll get there. We'll get around to that in a second. Um, don't give him ammunition <laughs> yes so it, it, it was a good film it set the board nicely and then of course they did a year later they did Rogue One yay a, a phenomenal film mm-hmm. yes um, to be fair it is essentially an entire film and a multi-million dollar project to cover to cover a plot hole <laughs> in episode 4 but, but brilliant, you know brilliant mate. Brilliantly done. Not very well. Brilliantly yeah. done. Um, though, to be fair, well. I think I think an internet meme does point out that the whole format of the Death Star files are, is, you know, some of us really love data formats because the amount of discs that, that that information goes into throughout the last part of the movie is is quite something. But be that as it may, unfortunately, that film was slightly marred by the 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 passing that Christmas of release of Carrie Fisher. Yeah. That will come into play in just a second. A year, yeah. later, a year later, so December 2017, we had The Last Jedi. Yeah. Now, 
I could say a lot <laughs> about The Last Jedi, but that's not what I'm thinking yeah. right now. Um, all I'd say is that it went in a in a controversial direction. Mm-hmm. It was it, it it did were unexpected the killing of uh, super, yeah, uh, Supreme Leader Snoke. Yep. Um, but it it it, it made me interested to see what they were going to do in episodes nine. Hmm. It killed the interest in me seeing what they did in episode nine. It was only the trailers that got me back with that one. Indeed. But that's a person. But, yeah. So episode episode nine comes around. And that is where, my, you know, my friends, the problems really start. For you. For me. <laughs> th- th- thematically, it's a mess of a film. Story-wise, it doesn't make sense. And I completely caveat this, that it was a result of Carrie Fisher's death and then having to redo parts of it. But it's also a result of the, of the decisions that were made during The Last Jedi. I don't blame the director for that because he pitched something, but he would not necessarily have, have done something if he didn't have authorization to do it. So killing Luke Skywalker was clearly fine. And that, and that could have been the original script for it. But they should have rewritten that and Carrie Fisher died a year before The Last Jedi was released. And they perhaps should have reconsidered the Snoke because Palpatine, while I love to see him, Ian McDermott back in all his lightning glory, doesn't actually make any sense. And the idea of him cloning Snoke, cloning him from what? Why he has the... Does he know he's a clone? None of that's covered. It's all ignored. But also, I'm f- I'm totally fine. Everyone on on this podcast, at least, is aware of the idea of a MacGuffin, an item yeah. or or a theme or something that someone needs to find in a movie. For example, you know, it drives the whole plot. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade is a prime example. The original Transformers uni with the uh, Transformers movie with the All Spark. That kind of thing. The Maltese Falcon. There are loads of films that do this. There are so many MacGuffins in The Rise of Skywalker, it's not funny. She's, you know, they start off and saying, okay, the main villain suddenly announces he's returning. He announces in the opening call he's back, and within 16 hours, he's going to take over the galaxy. Why 16 hours? We don't know. That's just how Palpatine feels. He's got bored. And I, I presume he announced his return over some kind of Zoom call or, or house party. <laughs> or I like to think it was yeah. kind of like um, Lord Voldemort in Deathly Hallows. We like his form of communication. <laughs> um, he just announced he's going to return. Okay. But that, to me, takes out the whole, um, you know, you could have really set up the idea of Kylo Ren in this very atmospheric and very well shot scene of him in the sort of crypt on this Sith planet and facing Palpatine. That would have been good, but he, he, he overlooks the fact, Oh yeah, Palpatine's back. Okay. We'll move on. And, and, and the one time they get to address why Palpatine's back, you know, how have you done this? He quotes from episode three. He just refers back to that. It doesn't. It doesn't go into any real detail as to how he's back, why he's back, yeah, how he's managed to accomplish this, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. 
They introduce new characters that don't go anywhere. Good characters. Yeah, really good characters. For example, do we know that the girl at the end of the movie is she Lando's daughter? Who knows? Is he hitting on her? Is he, you know, has he become a bit of a pederast? We don't know. It's um, the. We're interested to find out. Yeah, well, no, we're not. We're not interested to find out. You've. You you introduced. I mean, this is a side note. You introduced a lesbian kiss. In the movie, I'm fine with the idea of a gay character in Star Wars. No objection to it. But make it a character, not just a side thing. Because you're clearly doing it as a statement. And it's it, it doesn't, it, you know, you can make a statement, but make it a proper one. You know, if you want to go all the way, make Ray gay. Fair enough. <laughs> gay Ray. Gay Ray. <laughs> but you've had to bring back Lando. Who you apparently Lando Calrissian, who was very charismatic in the in episodes five and six, had a good character, had a good arc, especially in episode five. I mean, he ended up wearing Han's clothes, which is a bit weird at the end of episode five. But Family Guy did that already. I don't understand why that's weird. He needed to get changed. He was on the Millennium Falcon. He's got no one else's wardrobe to access. <laughs> why is he he could just put a belt on and a bandolier. He, he, he hadn't left all his capes on there from uh, from on, on oh, so. Yeah. Anyway, going back to that particular point, they go to you know they they have this wayfinder item, which is clearly a holocron from the cartoons, the comics, and the books. But okay, we'll move on. They, they have to find this. They get they then go to a planet that Lando Calrissian businessman extraordinaire and international playboy you know he's going around the world you know charming women running businesses he's lived on a desert planet for 20 years yeah wouldn't you yeah but he was with luke originally and luke just off yeah and he stayed there. He didn't go with Luke. He just decided, oh, you know what? I can't be, you know, Luke just said, I can't, I can't find it. I'm going home. Ray finds You've it in choice. five minutes. You've got a choice. Stay where he is or go sit on a rock with some weird milk making <laughs> freaks. I think you're being deliberately obtuse. <laughs> okay. Next. The next MacGuffin, the Sith Dagger. Which can somehow manage to is designed in such a way that it can show you where you need to go inside the wreckage, the wreckage of the Death Star. Yeah. Mm. To find something that he must have found already because he's got instructions from Palpatine. So would he just forget where it was on the Death Star? It belongs to the Sith assassin who is sent by Palpatine. To find his own, you know, son and his, you know, his wife, girlfriend, whatever, the mother of his grandchild. It makes no sense. Well, to be fair, and obviously I haven't seen it since the cinema because it's um, not released till Monday. Indeed. But um, a lot of this, I, I, I don't remember, to be frank, and a lot of... <laughs> and. But there's lots of films that don't make any sense. I've got a question. 
<laughs> on this one. Lawrence, Lawrence, mm-hmm. when when you saw this film, mm-hmm. you were you weren't a young man. You were the age uh, one. I knew what's coming. Much. Were you entertained by it? <laughs> Because I was entertained by this film. I was thoroughly entertained. I was entertained from the first few minutes when I saw Palpatine. I was entertained. I, I, I was very surprised. I was very surprised why they decided to announce their big twist in the opening <laughs> credit sequence. It, it was to give me hope. That was really, that was really odd. Um, it was to make me go, my God, it's, ba- it's back. Star Wars is back. <laughs> yes. But it would have been even better if you had that at the end. Hmm. As a reveal. As a reveal, yeah. It was me all along. That is because, despite what Disney say, they never planned to bring Palpatine back. I think, I think Keith, you're right. It, it, it's been a complete planning disaster. But we're, we're not here reviewing the planning of films, are we? We're looking at the execution. The actual films themselves. And, I mean, things like uh, the Emperor being back, no problem with it at all. They've set it up in uh, episode three that you can do that. Bish bash bosh, everyone's a winner. Yeah, it's got it, and and it it, fo- it follows your uh, idea there of, of of symmetry that it following from one series to the next to the other. Three, six, nine. It's good. I, He's back. I think that um, the fact that he uh, cloned or created Snoke is a brilliant conceit. And I have absolutely no problem with it at all. And I don't know why you would. I mean, why do we need a full scientific explanation as to why he's done it? He's done it. It's sci-fi. Let's get on with it. Yeah. Do we need to know the, all the details of how Luke's hand yeah. worked? No, he had a robotic are... hand. We accepted it. <laughs> okay. This is my next... They use is... light to hurt. Okay. 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 You, you, know, you morons are having your fun. It's fine. <laughs> no. Now, from a franchise perspective, is Anakin Skywalker the chosen one? Because you've destroyed the idea that Darth Vader sacrificed his life to kill this one character, and it means nothing. (laughs) You've invalidated episode six. (laughs) He kept Luke alive. And Luke went on to deliver deliver Rey for us and get him ready. Some get cows ready. that do green yeah. junk. No, you can <laughs> yourself. <laughs> for me, this uh, episode nine also introduced one of the greatest screen characters of all time. Oh, love to my dying day, <laughs> Babu Frick. <laughs> How great is that character? He's ace, Babu Frick. Brilliant. Is he the little dude? The little dude! The little engineer! Yeah, Tell me he's not the cutest thing on screen. He was, he was pretty awesome. He's awesome! Yeah. Again, his appearance is very funny, but it negates the fact <laughs> that the girl is there. She somehow managed to get off a planet that incidentally has been blown up in the meantime. That she got off a planet without the medallion that she sacrificed. Have you not got any heart? Did you not smile when you saw that she was alive and there was a chance for love to carry on? <laughs> I was, I was, it was a heartwarming moment, Keith. Got no heart. Yeah. What, what it, would it improved, Keith, if if he had turned to her and said, "Are you an angel?" <laughs> would that improved it? Yeah. It would. <laughs> I nearly died of a broken heart. 
I guess my main complaint <laughs> about the whole sequel trilogy is the wasted opportunity. Is what it could have been. I mean, if you think about it, in they they junk the expanded universe. I totally understand why they did that. I personally disagreed with that, but I you know I understand why they did. And they could have done anything with with episode seven, eight, and nine. And, and they had really they, they had no, no, the, I, I, I have they to had say. the main cast on board for episode seven at least, and they did this. I have to completely agree. I'm a friend. Uh, with that point, I think they could have done a lot better. I mean, yeah. I th- the potential was there for a lot better. I think Rogue One was really good. Yes. Brilliant. I think Solo was pretty good. Mm. And if, if you just put the three first three episodes of The Mandalorian up in the cinema as a film, that's probably better than all of them. So why why they couldn't have just done that with the trilogy as well? I just don't know. They kind I mean, of they clearly... it kind of felt like that in in the way of of latter Bond films where they felt they had all these elements that they had to get in, so they were shoehorning as much as in as possible. And and I think they could have just just come up with a. A story like Keith says, it could still have the those main characters in it, but it they they were trying too hard almost. I think they made the best of a bad situation with the rise of Skywalker for me. It won me back over in terms of enjoying Star Wars films because Last Jedi robbed me of that for a while. I was really disappointed. Um, but overall, yeah, they could have come up with a better trilogy, a better overall story. Though, as you say, those characters are good characters that you could use with a good structured story. It's a shame they didn't. And Keith uh, is right. It is, it is the planning of it that's cocked it all up in many ways. Yeah. Because if they, I don't they made, the three they made decisions, they made decisions with The Last Jedi which we may not have agreed with, and Chris, you know, you, you and I have discussed this before, we, yeah. we're not overly fond of The Last Jedi at all. Yeah. But they made decisions there, and that's fine. But yeah. don't... Stick in, to your guns, dis- But yeah, stick to your guns for the next one, if you had a plan to do it. Well, that's did- just it. They didn't seem to have a plan for the third No. <laughs> it's just, it was just really weird. And I find the it... whole director thing was weird for me. Having the different directors for each one, why? Why not have a consistent vision? Well, I don't had, get it. They had different directors for the original trilogy. Yeah, but things have moved on and, from there, really. And hang on, hang on, hang on. Um, every every single one of of the MCU have got different directors. Yeah, but there's a hell of a lot more of them, though. What you did have is J.J. Abrahams producing all three. And that's where the consistency is. J.J. Abrams. He does seem to get. He does seem to get a pass on the the Last Jedi. People seem to go, oh, he came back and saved us with the other one. But if you are of that opinion, but uh, he, he, yeah. authorized, he authorized everything that happened on screen. Everything went through J.J. Abrams, and he he it up unfortunately maybe he'll do a time traveling story where we go off on a different tangent and they can redo those films. And we can get characters that we love from the past and go in a completely different direction. <laughs> I feel it can be done. I feel there's evidence on it. Well, let's let's start a um, a crowdfunding thing. 
Can you imagine having to crowdfund Star Wars? Let's get this done. Redoing Star Wars. <laughs> By the way, I heard a noise back there. I don't know if that was Keith slamming his microphone down. I've, I've, I've said my piece. I'm walking away. I'm done. <laughs> Screw them. I'm still here. <laughs> Hang on. I can hear the voice of the Emperor. He's calling us. <laughs> It's 16 no. hours, he's going to kill everybody. I just, I just think back to the idea that back in 2015 or four, or a bit earlier than that, 2012, when they sold, they got the original actors on board and they could have gone anywhere with it. If you want to go rogue or controversial, that's fine. You don't have to play it safe. George, George Lucas was all you know, very safe, which is why in episode six, he didn't kill off Han Solo. I mean, you know, I mean, that moment, even though we knew as cinema goers in episode seven, when Han Solo's killed by, by Kylo Ren, we, we understand it. You know, it, it, you know it's going to happen, but it's still shocking when it happens because it's a part of our childhood. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, he gets, he gets killed. And it's, 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 it's like, oh, my God. But beyond that, you know, I, I felt quite shocked when I watched that. Last Jedi, when Snoke died, I was like, well, that seems like a waste. Mm. And then, you know, it's it, it's just very, and then, and then they went off and killed Luke Skywalker, and it's just kind of like you've committed to that, and and you know the behind the scenes machinations of Solo, where they fired the original directors, and they had to reshoot a huge portion of the movie with Russell Howard instead. Hi, this is Chris in the edit. Keith obviously meets Ron Howard, although the idea of the comedian Russell Howard directing Solo sounds brilliant to me. Shows that they were prepared to do it. So they were clearly, they could have redone parts of The Last Jedi. Because, and, and it wouldn't necessarily have been because that they, were, that they felt their agenda was wrong, but Carrie Fisher's death did move things around. It did change things because she wasn't going to be there. They did the best they could. I'm not disputing it. And J.J. Abrams does know how to put on a spectacle. She was in but, it a hell of a lot, though, wasn't she, considering she's dead? Mm. She was in it loads. Oh, yeah. Which is weird. But, um, yeah. I mean... They clearly, had that perfect time to kill her off as well clearly in, the, the, in that film. The plan was, episode one, you kill off Han Solo. Episode two, you kill off Luke Skywalker. Episode three, you kill off Princess Leia. I mad- could have just flipped that, couldn't I? Well, quite easily, yeah. I mean, and I, that would have made more sense as well, because obviously Luke Skywalker is the, the bigger character. You'd have had him dying yeah. in the third one, wouldn't you? Yeah. It's just, and, and- it just, to me, seems like a waste. Hmm. And, it's a, and it's a sense of disappointment that I'll never... I'll never quite get over. But no, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, just, it's just when I watch it, that's how I feel. If you wanted to put Palpatine in it, if you wanted to bring him back and, and, and use him as a villain, as Lawrence says, he should have come in as the cliffhanger for that episode. For episode for The Last Jedi or some sort of indication. Yeah, you need you needed some a, a bit of a hint that someone was there beforehand. Yeah. I'll give you that. That would have been a can you imagine if we'd left the cinema at the end of Last Jedi? Even I might have had hope at the end of that if if the end of the last jedi had been a reveal of palpatine i would have forgiven a lot of sins and they didn't give us that yeah i mean it's it's, it's constant mistakes because obviously they had the Dom, the Dommel gleason character 
had clearly, I mean, he was always a large twirling villain from episode seven, but episode eight, he's completely deballed <laughs> to the extent, to the extent that they bring in Richard E. Grant to kill him off. Yeah. I, so, I, I mean, that's, that's one of the things. I mean, something like um, that an internet, an internet reviewer said in episodes one, two, and three, you always had Darth Sidious behind the scenes. You had Darth Maul, mm. and then you had General Grievous, and then you had Count Count Dooku as as Darth Tyrannus. You always had credible villains, mm. and Kylo Ren was never a credible villain to me. No, he's he, having tantrums. Too. Yeah, he's throwing tantrums, losing control, which is fine. You know, that's a character element. Killing his his, his dad off, that's that works. That solidifies his character, and to me, there's no coming back from that. So to make him a hero, you know, because Leia died, because Carrie Fisher died in between the two episodes, her redeeming him doesn't work with 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 Kylo Ren. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't mesh with his character. And I mean, if you want to talk about franchise bits, there are there are elements. For, force projection brought in with episode um, episode eight, the Last Jedi, so you could project it, project yourself over. Okay, that's controversial, but you know, force powers is stuff we haven't seen. But then, they, then they go one up with astral projection, where they can somehow connect with each other. They can see what the other person's seeing, mm. and and influence it. So Ray can throw her lightsaber, and Kylo Ren can catch it. It just and 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 forced healing, bringing people back from the dead. Frankly, Anakin could have used that in Episode Three. But this the, we've we've established that Star Wars is very fond of introducing things and carefully forgetting them. Being able to force run very very quickly in the uh, prequels. Episode movie, one, yeah. You know, to jump really high. <laughs> Midichlorians being the biggest, <laughs> probably in that we don't mention them now. They didn't happen, but they did. Well, yeah, it did happen. It's just not mentioned again. That I, I'm, I, yeah. it was a stupid decision that was got rid of. I'm, I'm fine with that. But the idea is that you know the the idea that Jedi like Obi Wan wouldn't know how to heal heal Qui Gon when he's been stabbed through the chest and all this kind of thing. It's just it doesn't make any sense. And my final, from a storyline point of view, mm. is Palpatine wins. His whole plan is to get Ray to kill him. She kills him. Mm. He says, strike me down. And in the end, she strikes him down. So doesn't his essence just transfer to her? Because that would have been a hell of an ending. Her in the desert going, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I'm Ray Skywalker. She's nicked the name. Go, I, I'm Ray Skywalker. And then she just sort of, you know, turns to the twin sunset and, you know, just see her have an evil smile. And the idea that Palpatine, or you hear Palpatine's voice or something that he's not gone would have been quite interesting. Because he wins. He gets what he wants her to do. I have to say, the wife said to me today, why, why is it called The Rise of Skywalker? And I said, I've, I've absolutely no idea because there's no Skywalker, <laughs> isn't it? No. It, yeah, it's a weird title. Very weird title. I mean, the annoying thing is Hayden Christensen did have a voice bit for that movie because he so wanted to do Darth Vader properly. 
He so wanted to redeem what he sees as redeeming himself from episodes two and three. He did do bit, and all of his stuff was cut. <laughs> I, I get that she wanted to take the name as a tribute, and it's kind of, it is kind of her rise, and that's her. You become who you want to be, and she wants to be that. Um, I can kind of see it, but it's it's a bit weird. They and she doesn't to... become what he wants her to be when he when he she she does strike him down, but she doesn't become what he wanted her to be. She doesn't embrace the hate in that sense. It's a case of no, I'm just going to take you out. It doesn't it's quite reach strike the... me down to a take my. It doesn't quite go to the heights of Luke in Episode Six saying to the Emperor, "You failed, Your Highness. I'm a Jedi like my father before me." Yeah, I wish that that Palpatine nice. could have turned around, and gone, "Yeah, but he was a pretty <laughs> Jedi." Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but but be that as it may, it 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 doesn't it doesn't mesh. I mean, episode the the theme it seems of episode eight was that the past is the past, and you can be who you want to be. It's all yeah. echoing Dark Knight Rises with Bruce saying that a hero can be anyone. Yeah, it doesn't matter where you come from; it's what you do that defines you. Yes, and all that kind yes, of stuff. Is. And and then they completely abandon it. Oh, by the way, actually, you're Palpatine's granddaughter, so that's why you're powerful in the Force. Mm. And I I never like and 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 in recent movies have done this quite a bit, where plot lines haven't made sense. They did a lot a lot of it with with Avengers Endgame, um, but it's time travel, so you can exclude a lot of it. But now in the apparently in the novelization of the of the Rise of Skywalker. They've done things about the fact that Palpatine's son isn't actually his son. He's actually a clone of Palpatine. And they've built in lots of stuff to try and cover up the cracks of what they've created. And it's, to me, it's incredibly frustrating. I can hear that. <laughs> yeah, we can tell you. I can, se- I can sense disturbance in your force. <laughs> You're breaking my heart, Keith. I'm a bit worried I might die. <laughs> well, in that case, Chris, I'm sure you'll be an angel. <laughs> Gentlemen, that's that's been a fun one. I'm glad we did get to talk about the uh, recent trilogy. I think we shall draw that one to a close. It's been quite one of our, uh, well, our, I think our longest podcast so far, but very enjoyable. Gentlemen, on the old internet, where can people find you, Lawrence? Lawrence with a U underscore Tuck T U C K at uh, Twitter handle. That's my hit Twitter handle. I guess that's that's what's called, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> uh, Keith, where can people find you? You can find me on the website archive of our own under the moniker Deathwalker. Mm-hmm. And I can be found at Critic Guy Chris. Hope you'll join us again. Thank you very much for your time. Stay safe, everybody. Bye. Bye.